Hello, and thank you for listening to our podcast today. We are currently in our Faith at the Movies series, which incorporates clips from popular movie scenes. Due to copyright restrictions, we're unable to keep the audio for the clips, but we hope that you can join us live for the full experience. Thank you for understanding, and here's this week's episode of Faith at the Movies. Hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 through 5, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. This reading comes from the New Revised Version. He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. The word of God for the world. That's our first movie. Doesn't it make you want to watch it just by watching the trailer from it? It really is a wonderful movie. How many of y'all have seen it? Yep, we got some folks who've seen the movie. Yeah, right? What are some of your favorite characters outside of the Little Prince, of course? Anybody got some characters? Huh? The old man, right? That's, that's totally one of my favorites. What about some of those grumpy old adults? Right? Yeah, yeah, right? Don't you? That one with the hat? Yeah, don't, that was a great one. This book, this movie, is filled with wonderful memories, and it's actually a story within a story because it's a story about this little girl and the neighborly old gentleman, and he tells the story of the little prince. The Little Prince is a book, actually, and it's a book that was published in 1943. And it's a novel, um, and the author is a French, was a French aristocrat, writer, poet, and pioneering aviator, hence the plane in the movie. His name was Antoine, and I can't pronounce his last name, just saying, you can Google it. Um, that's how you can get that. Um, the book was translated in over 300 languages and dialects and has become one of the best-selling, most translated books ever published. And I want to ask, did anybody ever read this book? Has anybody read the book? Okay, we got some folks who've read The Little Prince. You know, I had never read it as a child growing up. 
It just wasn't one that I stumbled across or came upon. But I realized in so many different countries, this is a well-known children's book that many children read growing up. And when you read the book, it's a, not just a children's book, it's a book for adults. And as Sally and I were working on this, we were like, there are many messages weaved in and through this story. And just trying to narrow down which ones we were gonna look at was not a surprise because what we read was how this story speaks to so many different cultures across the globe. And each one of them, we found it interesting, resonated with different parts of the story, depending on what was happening in their culture and in their worldview. And it was so interesting to just take a look at that. You see, in the novel, this little prince befriends a rose on the planet in which he lives but he doesn't know how to care for that friendship. And he gets scared and he runs away. And I love the image, he runs away with a flock of geese flying off to other planets. And so he does, he travels to other planets in the galaxies and he travels with this spirit of curiosity and along the way he encounters a whole bunch of other characters, grown-ups. He finds many of them are focused on productivity and success as he stumbles upon them on their different planets. Some are driven by pride and popularity. Some are driven by greed. There's even one character who um, he banks up all the stars in the sky because if he owns them, then he will be successful. But then the little prince travels to Earth and there he stumbles upon a new friend, the fox. And they meet each other and they decide to befriend one another. And the fox teaches the little prince about friendship. And he helps the little prince uncover his own heart for compassion and learn how to love. The same is true for the little girl in the movie. The little girl, um, she befriends her neighborly grandfather next door. I love that picture. He's so cute, that little long beard that's there. And he uses this story to help this little girl discover her childlike spirit and discover the love of friendship. In this uh, book and in the movie comes one of the most famous quotes from the book. And it's, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly, for what is essential is invisible to the eye. Lot there in that quote. And I had to wonder, might that be some of what Jesus is talking about in that first scripture we heard read today from the Gospel of Matthew? That passage we heard read today from Matthew is a response to um, the disciples asking Jesus the question, hey Jesus, what do I need to do to be the greatest? Kind of like the grown-ups in our movie. What do I need to be successful and great, Jesus? What does that look like? And Jesus does what Jesus does also well. He turns things right around and he uses a metaphor to describe what success looks like. And he uses a child. And Jesus says, this is what success looks like. It looks like a child who is curious, who is humble, and who has a teachable spirit. 
I like how one commentary wrote it. They said, so as the disciples were focused on what constitutes as greatness in heaven, Jesus provided a new perspective. The way up is down, meekness is required. The writer said, Jesus extorts the disciples and us to seek and possess a childlike modesty in addition to our faith. Those who are willing to take the lowest position are the greatest in heaven's eyes. The writer went on to say, a child can be a good example. I mean, a young child is destitute of ambition and pride and haughtiness and can be a good example. Children are characteristically more humble and teachable, more pliable, open to the curious, to the unknown, to new discoveries. And here in this passage, Jesus is promoting a humble and honest faith. And he uses an innocent child as an example. And he invites all of us, I think, to reclaim that virtue of humility and teachable spirit. The book of James says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I found this interesting article where it talked about how you cultivate humility. Because, I mean, come on, let's be honest. It is not something that naturally comes out of us, right? Especially as we get older and we get focused in on our drivenness, the world around us. We can so far pull ourselves away from humility. But I loved a few of the things they suggested. One they suggested to cultivate humility was to open ourselves up to listen Listen to one another. Learn from one another. Open our eyes to a new perspective so that we might see rightly and look for the invisible. Another thing they suggested was to ask for help, to reach out, be vulnerable enough to realize we don't got it all, right? We don't have all the answers. None of us do. That's why as a faith community, we come together. We're meant to do this life together. And so the ability to ask for help, to learn from others, helps us cultivate humility. The third thing they mentioned was gratitude. When we focus on what we have, not what we don't have, our ability to cultivate humility expands because we can look around and be grateful for what's right in front of us. And that takes me to the fourth thing the article talked about, and that was to focus on the present. The little girl and the little prince were very much in tune to the present. They weren't so much focused or worried about what was going to happen in the future. They were focused on the here and the now. And as they focused on the present, and they learned to love what is, not what isn't, their curious spirit, and the humility of a child birthed in them the ability to love another. As I was reflecting on this movie this week, I was finding myself inspired by this childlike spirit of the little prince and the, and the little girl, and I was longing to embrace my own inner wanderer. I was asking myself, had I forgotten what it was like to be curious as a child. And I had this memory. 
when I was about seven, about seven year old, in the summer times, me and my sister used to sit on our front porch every night. We got to stay up later in the summertime, and so we'd sit out on the front porch and we'd look up at the stars in the sky, and we'd do what? We'd wish upon them. Starlight, star bright, wish I may, I wish I might, have the wish I wish tonight. And I remember this one summer, because I wished the same wish every night when my sister and I went out. I didn't tell anybody. And one day, my mom and my dad came out, and my mom says, girls, what would you think if we told you that your dad and I were going to take you to the drive-in movies and see Cinderella? <gasps> well, that was my wish, and I burst out right then. That was my wish. It came true. And now it's not a big stretch that I, at seven years old, wanted to go see Cinderella. Okay, I get it. But it was the wish, and it was the wish I had been wishing for all along. And my sister quickly piped up. She's three years younger, and she said, well, what about my wish? And my mother said, well, Susie, what did you wish for? And she said, ice cream? <laughs> and my mom said, well, you know what? I think you can get that, too. And so off we went. And I have to tell you, that childhood memory to this day fills me with joy and with love as I remember it. And whenever I look up at the stars and even think about making a wish, it reminds me of the love that I felt that night from my family. And it invites me to ask, how might I love others with that same kind of generosity and wonder? In our story, the little prince, he runs away from love because he's scared. He doesn't know how to love and is afraid. And the same is true for our little girl. As she starts to befriend this wonderful old man next door, she too gets scared. I mean, love can require a lot from us, right? It just does. And even with people who are easy to love, it's still hard to love, right? We can still mess it up. We can still get in the way. And sometimes it's easier just to run, to stop trying. That's what happened with the little prince and the little girl. They weren't sure how to keep loving. Well, that's where our second passage comes in today. Our second passage is from the book of Corinthians. And the writer Paul is speaking to the church about what love looks like. Now, we often terms, uh, oftentimes use this passage that we heard read at weddings, and it's a great one for weddings. You know, love is patient and kind, but it's not written at all in the context of spousal relationships or romantic relationships. Paul is writing to the church about what love looks like to love all people as the body of Christ. He's talking about what it looks like to love all relationships that are centered in the love of God. John Wesley wrote this about this passage. He said, the love of God and of our neighbor for God's sake is patient towards all men. It suffers all the weaknesses, ignorance, errors, and infirmities of the children of God. And in every step toward overcoming evil with good, it is soft, kind, mild, and benign. In both the movie and in the book, 
as our little girl and our little prince journey away from love, I noticed how they stumbled upon specific characters. As farther away they journeyed from love, the characters they came across were those who harbored greed, who harbored pride, who harbored foolishness. And what these two experienced from these grown-ups was that no matter how much power they had, no matter how knowledge they had, no matter how popularity they had, without love, it was all meaningless. We hear that in our text today. I like how one writer put it. It's as if Paul was saying, if there were, if there were any tongues of angels and I had them, and did not use them for the benefit of my neighbor, then it would be nothing else except a vain and prattling type of babbling that gives a rude and uncertain sound. Well, these grown-ups in our movie, well, they had gifts and they were not using them for the benefit of others. And they have gifts and they were not using them with loving kindness and they were sounding quite a bit like rude and uncertain babbling sounds in our story. Our little girl realizes this, and when she does, she embraces the courage to live out of love and not run from it. And she decides to return home and to take the little prince back to his rose. And there's this one scene where the greedy, prideful adults had stolen all the stars in the sky and they were keeping them in this big five-story glass container because that made them successful, but it was also keeping other people oppressed. Take a look at what happens and how the little prince and girl respond. I love that scene. If you haven't seen the movie, doesn't that one make you want to watch it? <laughs> I mean, I love it. She takes off on her plane, and she's no longer afraid to love. And not only is she no longer afraid to love, but she has the courage to jump on that glass jar and claim it and break it open. She takes that sword, and did you catch the line that she says? I am going to grow up. I'm just not going to grow up like you. And there, all the stars are released back into the sky. This little girl and the little prince make it possible for those stars to go back into the sky, and it's a symbol that it's time now for her to return home to love and for the little prince to return back to his rose. It's interesting because stars play a role throughout the book. For the explorers, the stars are guiding lights. For the businessman, stars are a way to count and to own things. For the king, they're subjects to rule and to order about. And for the pilot, the stars represent the presence of a friend on another planet. You know, the scriptures remind us over and over again that we can never run far enough away for God not to find us. This story touches so many people across the globe, and I think it invites us to rediscover three things. Curiosity, compassion, and courage. We see it in the little prince and in the little girl. 
as they rediscover their curiosity and childlike spirit, as they open up their hearts to learn how to love, and as they have the courage to stand in that love and move forward. So what about you? Have you lost a bit of your childlike wonder and awe? Have you forgotten it? Maybe you need to recapture the curiosity or rediscover a compassionate heart. I love some of the reflections that those of you who were at the movies on Wednesday night shared, and here's a few of them. I thought each one of them captured the movie so wonderfully. It says, if you look with your heart, you'll never be lonely. True. We need to tame the world one unique individual at a time. What good does it do to be rich, someone asked. And growing up is not the problem. Forgetting is. That's what that old man said. And then the final one that we've heard over and again. What is most important is invisible to the eye. You know, as Paul shared to the book, to the church in Corinth, we're meant to do life together, to be the body of Christ together. And in doing so, we use our gifts, empowered by the Holy Spirit and centered in a place of loving kindness. And when we do, the sound that we can make with our lives, well, that can reach all the way up to the heavens. And so I wonder, maybe this week, as you look up at those stars in the night, might you reclaim and be curious enough to look for the invisible and to rediscover ways that you might live with compassion and courage on this planet this week. Let us pray. Oh, compassionate and loving God, continue being our companion along the way. We do run, but you always find us. In your mercy, fill our hearts and raise our hope. You have given all of us a mind to know you, a will that can serve you, and a heart to love you. Be with us each day in all that we do so that your light might shine out of our lives just like the stars shine bright in the evening sky. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I now invite the ushers to come forward as we share together in our tithes and offerings this morning. <laughs> 